In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 17. I'm going to read today from 17 to 27 as we move forward in part two of a a year-long series entitled Get Serious. And we're today we're dealing with the second part of the second phase of Get Serious, which is get serious about your sacrifice. Get serious about your sacrifice. Mark chapter 10, uh, beginning at verse 17. When you got it, say, I got it. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Let me read it unto you today. As he was sitting out, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I want y'all to remember that the man ran up to Jesus. Jesus didn't run up to the man. The man ran up to Jesus and asked Jesus a question, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all of these things from my youth up. Verse 21, looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, one thing, just one, just one, one thing you lack, go and sell All you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come follow me. Verse 22 says, but at these words, he was saddened and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus looking around said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Verse 27, as I close this text, looking at them, Jesus said, with with people, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. For a moment today, as we continue to move forward in this series, as you begin to take your seat, I want to talk to you about facing the problem, facing the problem. We opened up this series about becoming serious about our sacrifice on last week. We know that 2018 is a year of transformation for us. That's what we're declaring. That's what God has laid upon our life. It is a year of change. Things has to happen. Things have to be different than they were before. But we also realize that we can't sit around waiting for things to change. We have to be proactive instead of reactive. We have to get up, get involved, and and help make things happen. Not say, be God. Not say make things take place in the way that you want them to go and not the manner that God wants them to go, but you have to put yourself in the right place at the right time. And oftentimes what we fail to understand about us as believers, the most serious thing that we can do is to remain in the presence of God. God is not asking us to put our hands on things, make things happen. He will give us specific instructions on what to do, when to do, and how to do it. But the one thing that we have to be serious about is remaining in the will 
of God. Wherever, God, you want me to go, I will go. Whatever, God, you want me to say, I will say. Whatever it is that you want me to do, I will do. That is what we need to be serious about, finding ourselves in the midst of the will of God. Last week, we opened up this series about being serious about our sacrifice, understanding that sacrifice can lead us to success. But we wanted to understand on last week, what was the purpose of, of sacrifices. People always talk about come to church, give, give your tithes, give your offering. We always talk about serve. We always talk about these sacrifices that we can make in ministry, but how often do we really talk about the purpose of a sacrifice? I'm not talking about give and it shall be given back unto you. That's a blessing. That is a that is a response for what I am doing. But why is it that God wants me to give? And so we took a minute to go back to the beginning in Genesis chapter 4 where the first, very first sacrifice was made between the brothers of Cain and Abel, the sons of, of Adam and Eve. And here it was that they were making a sacrifice. One uh, served in the fields, and so he brought everything from his harvest that he had to give unto God, and one served with the cattle and the livestock. We know that Cain was the field man. He worked in the field, and Abel worked with the livestock. We know that from looking at that passage, Abel's sacrifice was accepted, but Cain's was denied. We know that Cain was denied, and as a result of it, Cain was angry with God. His countenance, that's what the Bible says, his countenance fell. And as a result of it, God spoke to him. And he said to Cain, if you do well, won't you feel well? Won't good things happen to you if you do the right thing? And, and Cain did not take that word of advice from God. Instead, he went and he found his brother in the field and murdered him in the field. And God said, listen, where is your brother, Cain? And, and he says, I don't know, am I, am I my brother's keeper? And God says, the, the fields are crying out to me from your brother's blood, from your brother's blood. Cain killed Abel because of the fact that his sacrifice was not accepted when Abel's was. But he missed the whole point of what God was asking him to do. I want to make sure that you understand something. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your time. God desires it. God created time. God gave man the ability to create money. <clears throat> what we fail to believe and understand is everything that has been created limits us where God is limitless. Money limits us. God has all things. He's created all things. He's limitless. Time limits us. God is the creator of time. He doesn't even exist within time. That's why we can't put a calculation on God because he's on the outside of time while we're dwelling in time. He made time for a man. It limits us. God, when he's asking us to sacrifice unto him, he's bringing us from a point of understanding. Let's not focus on what we have and get to the point of understanding on the outside of what we have is limitless. He wants us to get to a point of understanding that he has more to give us than the world could ever give us because he has created it all. And so we got to the point of realizing that why does God want me to sacrifice? He taught us in Genesis chapter 4, he taught us to sacrifice for the simple reason that your sacrifice gives you the power to have self-control over your life, your willingness to give God your best offering, your willingness to give God Sunday time, Wednesday night time, devotional time, Bible study, whatever it is, your willingness to sacrifice and give God, give back to God is a living, walking example of you having self-control. You're saying no to something and yes to him. That's why God desires for us to give, for us to take back the power that sin has taken from us, for us to say no to sin and yes to God. After all, that's what he told Cain. He says, listen, if you, 
If you go outside this door, there's sin crouching at the door waiting on you. I began to think about that even more this week as I was preparing for the day, and I couldn't help but to think about the fact that if the sin is on the outside of the door, crouching down, waiting on me, then where am I on the inside of the door? On the inside of the door, you're in the will of God. But what happens is when we decide to step outside of the will of God and go outside of the door and do things our way, that's when sin begins to take hold of us. That's when sin grasps us. So why does God want us to sacrifice? So that we can maintain self-control. Adam and Eve didn't display self-control when they were in the garden. They knew what was the wrong thing to do, but yet and still they gave into it. Why? Because they lacked self-control. We learned about self-control last week. We learned how self-control is a mental thing that begins to manifest itself physically. What the scripture tells us, so is a man thinketh, so is he. We learned about that and how important it is to establish self-control. So when you begin to sacrifice for God, you are strengthening your ability within your own life to establish self-control, to say no to sin, yes to God. Young ladies and young, young men that are in relationships and they're not yet married, when you're turning away and you're saying, no, I'm not going to be involved in sexual activity before I'm married. That's saying no to sin and yes to God. You have to understand every time you say no, you grow stronger in your faith with God. The hardest thing is the first time. After you do it the first time and you keep doing it, you grow stronger and stronger in your faith with God. This is why the enemy begins to attack you over and over because you don't want to move forward and do it the first time. You're so afraid to say no the first time. You're so afraid to display self-control the first time to do the right thing one time. You can't get to a lifetime of doing it. If you don't do it once, how can you expect to do it a thousand times? And so when God asks you to make a sacrifice, whether it's financially, by giving your tithes and offering, whether it's by serving in the church, whether it's by saying no to people within your life, because sacrifices go beyond just within the church. Sacrifices is something that you have to do in your everyday life because some people won't accept you if you make a sacrifice for God. And so when God gives you the opportunity to make a sacrifice within your own life for him, it's putting you in a position to establish self-control. It is essentially empowering you to take back the control that the enemy is taking from you. Amen? That's the recap of where we are on last week. Today, we're going to a different thing. <clears throat> last week, we learned about the purpose. Today, we're going to identify the problem. Today, we are going to face our problem. There's nothing that you can overcome in life if you don't face it. You have to get to a point in your life where you choose to that decide that I'm going to face the problem. I'm not going to ignore it. I'm not going to hide from it. I'm not going to run around from it. I am going to face this problem head on. This is what I'm going to do. And today I want us to take the opportunity to look in this text, Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 27. And I want us to be able to identify what is the problem as it relates to sacrifice? I want to make sure that you guys are understanding what I'm saying. I'm using this word sacrifice because sacrifice goes beyond just financially giving. I want to make sure that we understand that. Our sacrifice goes beyond just financially giving. Our sacrifice goes beyond just serving in the church. We are responsible as believers to sacrifice our life for Christ. He gave his life for us. We should be willing to give the way we live our life for him. He had to die so that we can live. 
And all he's asking us to do is just, just mentally die, socially die to the world so that we can begin to physically live for him. And so essentially we have to realize that everything in our lives we have to move forward and go through with a sacrifice. So with that being said, what is the problem? What keeps us as believers from sacrificing the way God wants us to sacrifice? What's the dilemma? What is the issue? When I look in the text, the rich young ruler runs up to God. He knows there's something better. He's seeking something better. He's asking for something better. But when God gives him the answer to how to receive it, he doesn't want it. The Bible says that he's sad and he walks away. He's sad and he, he walks away. And then God moves forward telling, telling them that, you know what, this is why rich people can't get into the kingdom of heaven. What is his dilemma within the text? Because I believe that his dilemma is the same dilemma that many of us have in our lives today. And I believe, and this is worth writing down and remembering, our dilemma as it relates to sacrificing for Christ is that we are not willing to give up what we see for what he says. Can I get you to understand that? Our dilemma, as it relates to our sacrifice for Christ, is that we're not willing to give up what we see for what he says. I want to make sure that you understand what I'm saying here. Your paycheck, you can see. Your house, you can see. Your bills, you can see. Your car, you can see. Your relationship, you can see. Your children, you can see. But when it comes to operating by faith, you can only go off of what he says. Let me help you understand. There's some young men and young women that have been looking for love in all the wrong places. That have been thinking that if I, if I did things the way uh, uh, if I could just be transparent, let me just, we ain't going to beat around this. Ain't no, ain't, no, ain't no babies really in here today. Uh, if I just give them a taste of me, if I give them a little bit of me, then maybe they, they'll marry me. Maybe they, they, they'll let me be their spouse. If, if, if I did what they wanted me to do to make them happy, then maybe I would be acceptable to them, only to find out after doing it, they don't even want you. And you feel bad about yourself. And you know, I'm not mad at you about making the first mistake. But guess what we do? We go do it again. We get in another relationship. We do it over. We do it over. We do it over. Thinking that something is going to change. I'm going to find the right person that's going to fall in love with my cookies. I'm going to find the right person that's going to want to be a part of my life. And as a result of it, I, 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 I will get them my way. Instead of doing it the way he says. Instead of doing, keeping yourself holy, keeping yourself separated, understanding that you're worth more. I didn't understand the concept of that, but, but there's so much more value because if a man can stick with you without you giving him anything, if a woman can stick with you without you giving them anything, then they see the true value in you. They see the true value in you. I, I wouldn't want a relationship that was built and based off sex because what happens when sex doesn't exist anymore? I wouldn't want a relationship built off of money because what happens when money isn't there anymore? I need somebody that's with me when I don't have anything. I need somebody that'll rock with me when I'm at the bottom of the pit and I don't have nothing to offer you. And I need you to be able to tell me you love me then. 
There are people in here, there are people as believers that we can't trust God with our finances because his word says, if you give, I'll give it back to you. That's what he say. But right now, see, I got a light building. His word says that he'll be our provider. That's what he say. But right now, I see that I have the means to provide for myself. And so what happens is that we enter a position in our lives that it's not that we don't want to give or that we don't have a desire to give. We just have a dilemma. We can't get past what we see to be able to focus on what he says. And as a result of that, we try to bargain with God. We find ourselves at a standstill. This young, rich young ruler, he comes and he says, listen, I just want to get into heaven. I've done everything. I've com- kept every commandment. And God says there's one thing that you lack. He loved him and he says, listen, there's one thing that you lack. And I began to study this text because I had to, I've been looking at this rich young ruler for a while and I didn't understand him. And I, I'm always frustrated with him because he had the ability to be the 13th disciple. He could have walked with Jesus. He could have had a book in the Bible. And so many great things could have happened in his life if he would have just said yes. But instead he said no and walked away. And, and so I, I asked myself, why did he walk away? Why did he turn away? And I believe it's because of that one thing that Christ said he lacked. And so today I want to talk about that one thing. What's that one thing that he lacked that kept him from inheriting the kingdom of God, that kept him from reaching his promise, from reaching his destiny? What was that that one thing? And I believe the one thing that he lacked was the willingness to sacrifice. He lacked the willingness to sacrifice. Pastor, how do you come up with the fact that he he lacks the willingness to sacrifice? God asked him three things. When God said he he had love for him, he had compassion for him, he gave him three things that he wanted to do. He says, take everything that you have and sell it. He says, give what you sold to the poor. And he says, come follow me. Those are the three things that God asked him to do. He He didn't ask him to go jump off a building. He didn't ask him to be crucified to the cross. He asked him to do three simple things. He said, take everything that you have and sell it, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. And those three things were three things that was too much for him to do. And as because of that, he turned and walked away. He lacked the willingness to sacrifice. His, his, his selfish desire not to sacrifice is what put him in a situation not to inherit the kingdom of God. God promised him right there in the text. Christ promised him. He said, in the text, if you do this, you'll truly inherit the kingdom of heaven. But because of the fact that he did did not have a willingness to sacrifice, it put him in a position where he'll forever perish. When I looked at that and I began to identify that, it made me understand why the text called him a rich young ruler. He cared about his position. He cared about who he was. That, he cared about that more than he cared about his own name. I'm the rich young ruler. I could see him walking in a place. And I'm the rich young ruler. Look at me. I have everything. And I see why God says you're missing one thing, your willingness to sacrifice. Can I teach you something today? Your willingness to sacrifice shows that you are truly humble. 
that you are truly humble, not humble to the fact that you know that God is God and you're willing to be his servant, but you're humble enough to know that God is your father and you're willing to be his child, that you're willing to allow God to provide for you and do for you exactly what you need him to do. I, was, I went to the country yesterday and we were chopping down trees. We were chopping down trees in the country, and Isaiah was so happy to go to the country with me yesterday. He was so happy to spend some time with his dad and, and chop down some trees. And I told Isaiah specifically, I said, hey, some of these trees are bigger than other trees. I need you to stand farther away and, and let me cut down these trees. And Isaiah was like, okay, daddy, I'll stand farther away, but I'm a big boy, daddy. I can get out the way. I'm a big boy. I can get out the way. And I'm like, Isaiah, please stay out of the way. And so I'm over here chopping down trees. I'm, I'm chopping down trees. I've known that I've told Isaiah to stay at a safe distance, a specific location. And I don't think I should have to repeat myself more than once. I've told you where to stand. I should have painted the circle and said, don't step outside of the circle. I don't know what it was, but I told him to stay right there. And I promise you it was five minutes after that that I was cutting down a tree and just so happened I say the Holy Spirit had me look and here's Isaiah the tree is about to fall and I'm like Isaiah run and he takes off running he takes off running and he gets to where just the top of the tree just grazes him a little bit and he says daddy the tree thought it was gonna get me daddy the tree thought it was gonna get me all he had to do was stay where I asked him to stay but he wanted to put himself in danger because he wasn't really willing to sacrifice his desire to have fun. He wasn't willing to sacrifice his desire to rip and run, to take pictures. He wasn't willing to sacrifice. And as a result of it, he put himself at risk to lose his safety, to lose his life. In our lives as believers, because we're not willing to sacrifice, we put ourselves at risk of losing our safety. God is telling us, stay right there. I got something for you. But instead, we see Everything on the outside of the door. It's like a kid that mom and dad told him to stay in the house, and all they're doing is looking outside the window. Everybody else is outside and playing. Mama says, don't, don't, don't go outside until I get home. And you outside, knowing you ain't got no business outside just because you see everybody else, and then you mad because mama got off early and, and walked up on you. I thought I told you to stay in the house. All you have to do is stay in the place of safety. It's not to restrict you. It's to preserve you. It's to provide more for you. God says in the text, I'm going to give you more. But catch this. This is what happens. He has an issue. His issue is he lacks the willingness to sacrifice. He's selfish. And the thing is, his selfishness is what's going to lead to his own destruction. I want you to see something because there's a lesson for us to learn in our dilemma. Because I believe that each of us probably deal with these dilemmas. Uh, if either we've overconquered them or we overcame them or we're steady going through them right now. The three dilemmas are found in the three things that God asked him to do. They asked him to sell, asked him to sell everything he had. He asked him to give it to the poor and come and follow me. I want to talk about the problems that we have and the problems that he had. What is the problem that he had with the first thing that God asked him to do? To sell everything that he had. What is the problem that he had with the first thing? Why is that such a dilemma for the rich, young ruler? I want to help you understand why many of us won't sacrifice. Because when God asks us to sell everything we have, to give everything we have, to do everything we can, whatever it is, the reason why we don't do it is because we feel like we will lose our identity. His name is the rich, young ruler. If I sell everything I have, what do I have? What am I going to be able to do? 
And so oftentimes, many of us fail to understand the reason why we don't sacrifice and follow God is because we feel like we will lose our identity. We will lose who we are. But the truth of the matter, if you look in the Bible, especially in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I believe it's verse 17, it tells us that anybody that is in Christ is what? A new creature. You can't be a part of Team Jesus and not give up who you were. Your own nature has to die. So here it is, the reason why he's part of the fellowship part, he does everything else right. He looks good. He dressed good. He ain't lied to his mama. He never stole from nobody. He comes to church or synagogue on Sunday morning. He does everything that he's supposed to do. But God says you're missing one thing. And part of that one thing is you have to lose your identity to be a part of me. He says, This is why you can't rock with me. This is why you can't walk with me is because of the fact that you won't forget about who you think you are so that you can become who I know you are. That's the truth. God don't want you to be who you think you're supposed to be. He wants you to be who he knows you were created to be. And But many of us won't follow him because it's what he says, not what we see. My friends respect me for who I am. They respect me for what I have. God, I don't know if they're going to like me the way you want me to be. I don't know if it's going to be a good fit for me, God. So it becomes a dilemma in our sacrificing. Because, God, if I sacrifice for you in the manner that you've asked me to sacrifice, then I just might lose who I am. The truth of the matter is we're supposed to lose who we are anyway to become who he wants us to be. I don't want to turn my back on God because of the fact I'm trying to hold on to an identity that truly doesn't apply to me. I don't want to be who the world wants me to be. I want to be who God wants me to be. I don't want to be who my boyfriend or my girlfriend wants me to be. I want to be who God wants me to be. I don't want to be who my children want me to be. I want to be who God wants me to be. Do you know something? It's harder being everything for everybody, but it's so easy to be one thing for God. Do you realize in being that one thing for God, then others are going to either accept you for who you are or get away from you? But you're steady trying to be everything for everybody, putting on a show, putting on a facade of everything that you're not. You don't even like certain music, but you, you listen to it just because everybody else listens to it. You don't even like cigarettes, but you, you smoke them because everybody. You, you put yourself in a situation that I'm doing things that are not me because it's just not who I am. We have to ask ourselves, what identity do I want to hold on to? Do I want his identity? or their identity. The second issue that he had, God told him to give everything that he had to what? The poor. Why can I not give everything that I have to the poor? Why is this a dilemma for me to relinquish? I've sold everything. I got the money so I can still hold on to something. But Dan, why do I, why do I have a problem with giving everything that I have to the poor? If I give everything that I have to the poor, Sister Jackie, then guess what? I have nothing. Now the poor has become rich and I've become poor. So why can't I sacrifice for God? Not only can I not sacrifice for God because I feel like I'm going to lose my identity, 
but I can't sacrifice for God because I feel like if I sacrifice for God and give in the manner that he's asking me to give, I'm going to lose my stability. It's bad enough that I got to change my name. But you're asking me to give up everything that I have. Do you know that's the number one reason why many people fail to sacrifice financially within the church? It's because we feel like if we give God the money, if we, if we sacrifice to our tithes and offering to give above and beyond, to do what God is asking us to do, we feel like if we do this, then I lose my stability. I don't have enough gas money. I'm not going to be able to pay my rent this month. I'm not going to be able to go out and eat. We feel like we're going to lose our stability, but we forget that the Bible has so many scriptures. One of my favorite is, is Psalms chapter 18, verse uh, 2 and 3. It says, I'm going to read it to you. You can write it down. Hold on to it. It says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take what? Refuge, my shield and my... And the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I call upon the Lord who is worthy of praise and I am saved from my enemies. Can I tell you something? Stress, doubt, worry, debt, those are all enemies of God. They're all enemies. Loneliness, they're all enemies of God. You have to be willing to take refuge in God to give up what you have and depend. Do you know what he told the disciples every time? This is the sad thing. We've seen it worked out. The disciples are, are popular, more popular than Biggest Smalls. Everybody know the disciples. Why? Because they did the one thing that God asked them to do, forsake all and follow me. Abraham is known as the father of many nations. Why? Because he left all and followed him. Noah is known as the one who survived the flood. Why? Because he forgot everybody else did what God asked him to do and followed him. Everybody that followed him always wins. But here it is in the text. He's not willing to follow him because if I, if I have to give you if I have to give you my stuff, if I have to give my stuff to the poor, if I have to let you utilize the things that I have for your glory, then I lose my stability. Can I tell you something as believers, if you didn't know it and you already, and, you, and you're living life and you, and you hadn't figured it out by now, there is no stability in the world. I don't care who the president is, the dollar isn't stable. If you, if you, if you follow the stock market, it goes up and down. There's nothing stable in this world. Nothing stable. There's, there's people who have worked hard to pay for their houses for 20 years and then turn around and they, they lose their job and can't afford to pay their mortgage for three, four months and their homes get foreclosed. They've sacrificed for 20 years. But just like that, stability has fallen from upon them. We, go to, we, we leave work on Friday expecting to go to work on, on Monday. But what happens if the company closes? There's nothing stable about this world. The only thing that is consistent is God. That's the only thing that's consistent is God. But here it is, he's, he's worried about giving up everything he has because if I give you everything I have, I have nothing. I'm not stable. I can't, I can't provide for myself. God says that's the exact place I want you to be. I want you to be in a place where you can't provide for yourself because if you can't provide for yourself, then you have to be what? Dependent on me to provide for you. And that's the thing about God is that he likes to show that he is God. God likes to show that he is God. 
And as his children, we are denying him the opportunity when we're not willing to sacrifice, to serve, to surrender unto him. We're not willing to, to allow him to show that he is God. Do you not remember when he had to feed the 5,000 and the little boy brought the fish and the bread? It was not enough. It wasn't enough. And he says, this is all I got. Take it. And he puts it in the hand of the master. He puts it in the hand of Jesus. And before you know it, 12 disciples at the end picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. How did you have extra when we didn't even have enough from the get-go? It's because when you take your little and give it to God, he will turn it into a lot. When you take the little time that you have and give it to God, he'll turn it into a lot. A lot. When you, when you take your little money that you have and give it to God, he will turn it into a lot. When you take your little relationship and give it to God, he will turn it into a lot. But the problem is we are not getting a lot because we won't even give it to God. We're scared, God, if I give it to you. My dilemma is if I give it to you, I'm not, I'm not worried about losing who I am. But I'm, I'm worried about losing what I have. Worried about losing what I have because this is my stability. God, I know I want to be married, but if I do things your way, I might lose this man. And right now, he's the only stable thing that I have in my life that makes me feel good about myself. God, I, I, know, I know I don't have enough money to pay my bills. I know I'm going to end up having to, to go get a payday loan, which I know they're going to snatch out my check next week anyway, and I'm going to be broke again next week. But God, I just got to do that because I believe what I see more than what you Say, we have to get to a point where we understand that God has all power. He has all authority. So not only does he have a problem identifying with, with giving up his identity, he has a problem giving up his stability. And this is the last problem, and then we'll get ready to leave after this on today. The last problem that he has as, as a believer, the last problem that he has is that if I do what you're asking me to do, if I follow you, it's the third principle, that's the third thing he has, he says, follow me. If I follow you, then the issue that he has with him is that I lose my authority. He has been the rich, young ruler. Rich is what he has. His youth is his stability. And his ruler is his authorityship. And now God is asking him to stop being the leader and start being the follower. And so this is a dilemma for him because if I follow you, then I lose my authority. Why is it a dilemma for me to lose my authority? Because if I give you my authority, then I'm no longer in control. God, I came to you to find out how do I get to heaven. In other words, I came to you to find out how do I get more. How do I get better? How can I have a better relationship? How can I have a better job? How can I have better financial situations? I came to you to learn how do I get more? But you're asking me to give up more and become less. Couldn't help but to think of the text that says the, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. This young man begins to turn away from God. He, he's troubled. He's messed up in the head. Because he loses, he, he says, if I follow you, I will lose my identity. People won't know me as the rich young ruler anymore. If I follow you, I will lose everything that I have. I'm not stable. I'm going to be begging for food. I'm going to be asking people to give me something. 
I'm going to be looking for handouts. I don't, I don't know where my next meal is going to come from. If I follow you, then I essentially am nobody. And you're everybody. And because of this, he turns and walks away. He says, no, God, I'm not going to. I'm not going to tithe. No, God, I'm not going to give an offering. No, God, I'm not going to serve in church. No, God, I'm not going to do the way relationships the way you want to do relationships. No, God, I'm not going to honor you. No, God, I'm not going to tell people about you. No, God. He says no to all of this, and he turns away from God. And guess what? He says no to better. He says no to better because it's already been promised and prophesied over his life that if you do it, I will give this to you. And as a result of him saying no to doing things God's ways, he says no to receiving everything that God has for him. Why? Because he's worried about losing what he sees and not knowing if he'll receive what he says. That is the dilemma for us as it relates to sacrificing. It's not that we don't want to sacrifice. It's not that we don't want to come to church. It's not that we don't want to be who God wants us to be. The dilemma is, if I do what God is asking me to do, then I have to lose what I see to step out on faith as it relates to what he says. And we wonder why we never receive the blessings that God has for us. We wonder why we never get the breakthroughs that God has for us. Because we don't believe enough to let go of what we have, knowing that God will take, for, take care of us on the other end. We don't believe enough to say, you know what, forget what I got. It's not worth nothing anyway. And this is why Jesus goes and he tells the disciples, he says, listen, man, it's, I want to be honest with you. It's going to be hard for any rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says it'll be essentially easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it would for a rich person to get into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they're not willing to sacrifice for God. You know why some of the brokest people in the world are some of the most spiritual people in the world? Because they ain't got nothing anyway. They're so willing to give it up in the first place. They don't put value in everything that the world puts value in. They're not selfish. They're more spiritual than they are selfish. They know that God is the only thing that can make them feel better about their situation. So God is saying to us that, hey, if you're going to be serious about your sacrifice, I need you to become more serious about me. Less serious about who you are, but more serious about who I am. And allow me to provide for you everything that needs to be provided for you. Let me, let me do the things that need to happen in your life. Get over the dilemma. Get over the issue. Get over the fact that you think you're going to lose when I'm telling you you're going to win. You think you're going to miss out when I'm telling you you're going to receive more than you could ever have. But you have to be willing to get over what you see to move forward on what he says. You have to believe his word so that you can receive his word. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you for everything that you've done for us. God, we thank you for this word.